You're listening to THD24.com. Ronnie Goodman, new show. Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to A Toast with Carrie. I hope that your week has been good to you so far and that you're weathering the lockdown storm. We have all kinds of rumblings on the grapevine about the opening of alcohol and the lifting of the cigarette ban. Personally, I'm not holding my breath. I think that we need to know for certain out of the horse's mouth and to lift the ban on alcohol at the moment would be insane if we were to look at the NCCCs or NECC, whatever they're called. Their whole reasoning for the last four or five months has been that alcohol incites bad behavior and etc, etc, etc. So to lift the ban on alcohol now, when KZN is spiking, Gauteng is spiking, it goes in complete and utter contravention of what they have said to date. So I'm not holding my breath as much as I wish with all my heart that we were allowed to trade again. I don't think I'm going to hold my breath because if they do, it just endorses that everything that they've done to date regarding the alcohol and tobacco ban has been a complete farce. So that's my little take on where we're at with level two and whatever it may constitute. During the course of the week, I had the pleasure of tasting what I think is a very special wine that I thought I should tell you about. And so in true um, Touch HD tradition, we went straight to the source of it. One Rudiger Gretschel, who happens to be the brains and creativity behind this very special wine called Sangero. Rudiger, hi, and welcome to Touch HD. Hi, Carrie. Thanks. Glad to hear from you. Mm, well, thanks for for agreeing to join us. And it was such a surprise to me because I didn't even know that you were making this wine. Heather dropped it off at my at my shop, um, I think, or maybe Paula did two or three weeks ago, and said this is Rudiger's special, special, special. So I waited for a special, special, special moment, and indeed, <laughs> I wasn't disappointed. But Rudiger, before before we go to to San, do I say Sangiro or Sangiro? Sangiro, um, Before we talk about that, let's just fill my listeners in on who Rudiger Gretschel is. Where Where were you born? So I was born in Namibia. I grew up in Namibia, mm. um, far away from any wine. We only drank beer at home. Mm. And um, then I thought, this is what I want to be doing. You know, winemaking sounded like such a cool thing to do, you know, <laughs> kind of poetry and nuts and raisins and working three months of the year and <laughs> Little uh, did you know. drinking lots of wine, you know, so I packed my bags and rushed off to Stellenbosch after school to study winemaking. And you're very right. Little did I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, I think the first time your, your name came onto my radar was um, with regards to the chocolate block that you were very involved in. Yeah. Were you employed... You were employed at Buchenholzkloof, weren't you? I was, yes, mm. yes, yes. Mm. So I had a great run, to be honest. Um, Kerry God, it all seems so, such a long time ago, if I'm honest. Um, but yes. yeah, I, I joined Mark at Buchenholzkloof in 2002, um, and that was, or 2001, and my that was the year when, 2002, when we came up with the concept of the chocolate block. You're right. And, and it was such an amazing wine. It's still to this day, I think, there are very few wines that have earned icon status in South Africa, but the chocolate block definitely is one of them. Yeah, no, it's, look, there's obviously a whole lot of luck that goes with these type of things, but it was an unbelievable success. 
and I doubt um, I'll ever be part of recreating something like that in my lifetime. But it has been it has been an enormous success. You know? Yes, There's definitely. Probably not a single country in the world where where the wine hasn't done phenomenally well. And an um, enduring success. I mean, it wasn't just a flash in the pan for a few. And 2002 was. Let's be fair. My memory serves me correct. Um, correctly, 2002 was a shocking red wine vintage in South Africa on average. <laughs> it was a horror. Nobody likes to admit too much of that, but, you know, we have to be brazen every now and again. It was a horrible vintage, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It wasn't great at all. You're right. Um, but mind you, the 2002 vintage, the first one we did of chocolate block, um, I think it ended up being 15 barrels. We eventually blended together. You know, it was really? tiny. It was a few hundred cases. Yeah, that yeah. started out. I did see that it was Reg Lascaris's birthday the other day on Facebook, and I, I felt like popping a message through to him saying just heads up and glasses up and bottoms up to one of the most amazing wine marketers that the world has ever seen. That was, I think, his brainchild, wasn't it? Um, it was probably more Mark's brainchild, if I'm honest. Um, Mark and I were traveling in um, in the in in, the, uh, in northern Spain in Catalonia mm. after um, we did an expo, and we wanted to go and eat at um, El Bulli. You know, El Bulli yes, was like a big deal. Did at, you go at that time? Yeah, we did. And we wanted um, to meet Aldo Palacios, you know, who was like yes. a big deal. The pre-Iraq was a big deal at, um, you know, in the in the early 2000s. Yes. And um, on that trip, uh, Mark kind of came up with the idea of the chocolate block. And this is what the blend should be. It should have Grenache in there. And there oh. should be some Cabernet in there because you see all of these Cabernet vineyards. Um, next to the Garnacha vineyards in the Priorat, but nobody yes. talks about it. Yes. Um, so when we came back to South Africa, that's kind of how it was all conceived and put together. Well, I mean, um, without taking away from Regis Garis too much, the the team, the terrible team of you and Mark Kent, will be will <laughs> remain a legend in South Africa forever because honestly, you did produce some of the most alarming wines together, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're still far too young to be legends, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you went from you went from Bockenholtzkloof and. I mean, you're currently employed still with Vinimark, are you? Yeah, you're right. So very, did, very much a I, part of Vinimark, but just take us further along your journey. Yeah, I had an amazing um, close to 10 years nearly at Book and House Club. And then um, Tim Rand, um, who, you know, together with Reg and John and the boys started Book and House Club in the, yes. in the early 90s. Um, uh, he wanted me to come over to kind of the greater Vinimark um, part of the business um, yes. to look after our production. So I joined um, Bukin, uh, I joined Vinimark in, yeah, it was 2009, just after the 2009 vintage. God, it's already been 11 years too. <laughs> um, with, uh, with, uh, and I took uh, quite a fancy title as the technical and production director. Of I Vinimark. know, it was uber smart. <laughs> it was uber smart, but very well worth it because you've, you sort of filled those shoes alarmingly well. Yeah, so it's been it's been awesome, you know. It's you know the wine industry, and you probably know it better than anybody else. You know, it's got so many facets to it, and so mm. many interesting angles to it. Um, and this, you know, this world where I live in um, kind of touches in all of these. You know, yes. so I can have a day where I, you know, make wine with Johann Reinecke on this small little vineyard on the Polka Dry Hills, you know, um, yes. all very much biodynamically orientated. And um, 
then the next day I drive over the hill to Robertson, where it's... Um, are you bottling millions you know, of liters? Where, yeah. we, where we bottle millions of liters, employ, you know, hundreds of people, and, mm. um, you know, which is which is kind of an extraordinary brand um, in South Africa for its own rights, you know. Well, when so, I grow up, I want to be you, Rudiger. <laughs> I think it sounds a lot more glorious than <laughs> I think that you've done an amazing job Vinimark has established itself as, as one of the leading sort of um, distribution and sales networks in the country you've been amazing I know that at Norman Goodfellows we work incredibly well with Vinimark and closely Tim Rands was a dear friend a very good mate of Solly's my partner and it's just a long standing yeah. happy relationship that we've had and so when yeah, Heather came to that. me, and well, I, I don't want to, I, I keep on cutting you short. You joined, but now you're very instrumental in a lot of the wines, all the wines, I think, that that are being made under the umbrella of Vinimark, not least of which um, Krona. Tell us a bit about your Krona, because you are Mr. Bubbly too, aren't you? All of a sudden, yeah. Mm. Well, I can't take that from Peter, Peter, Peter Ferreira on track. Yeah, we'll leave him to be the um. king. You can, you can be the, the sort of prince, what do they call it? The prince regent. <laughs> no, Triangle de Salem Krona has been a phenomenal project, if I'm honest. It's, um, it's, uh, we had a partnership with the Kronas, um, yes. family, um, dating back, I think, to 2006 when we kind of, um, relived the, the sparkling wine um, mm. that Nikki started making in the late 80s. Mm. Um, and uh, then, you know, through a whole lot of reasons, the Kronos, unfortunately, um, um, was sequestrated, which ended up yes. really Mark taking over um, the property, not just the brand, mm. but also the property. Mm. Um, and uh, it's, it's, been, it's been unbelievable. It's... Um, We've planted vineyards, um, we've renovated. Um, and, Have you? Uh, yeah, and the, uh, the sparkling wine has, or the MCC has, um, has done phenomenally for us. You know, it's, um, the category's been great. Um, it's an unbelievable team that, um, that we kind of inherited and took over. Yes. We're pretty much running the business. Um, so it's been a lot of cleanup. Um, it's been a lot of hard work, but yeah. um, the market accepted um, the Krona brand, and it's 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 really been phenomenal. You know, we, well, of course, the Krona brand. I mean, if we can, we can just update the listeners. Krona was the first bubbly to be made in South Africa, wasn't it? No, it wasn't. Um, that would have been um, Johann Malang with Simonsich in nineteen seventy-one. Oh, really? Was he the first? I thought he that was the first. I thought that T- no. TJ was the first. No, it came much later. Kaps Funkel was the first in 1971, mm. um, which is awesome because um, essentially next year NCC celebrates its 50th birthday in South Africa. I know, and we're yeah, supposed and to be doing to we're supposed to be doing the Diners. You know, I, I oversee the Diners Club Winemaker of the Year competition, and this year Diners Club Winemaker competition is 40 years old, and sure is, yes. and we're tasting bubblies and MCCs as as a result of that, because it's very celebratory. But with COVID, I'm honestly, I, we're just about to have meetings and things. I'm honestly not sure whether we're going to be able to have the competition. But I was rather hoping that some of those original bubblies that established South Africa as a serious player in the bubbly market internationally um, would come to the party. And, and even if we could hope for one of those original bubblies to actually win 
would be amazing. It but, would be amazing. Yeah. But now, interestingly enough, when I was reading up um, the other day about you and Krona and all your, your sort of influences here, there and everywhere, the Krona Kaimanshat Blank de Blank, is that the same Kaimanshat vineyard that everybody goes to? Johan Rupert's been there. Um, Bushard Finlayson have been there. I think Mark Kent went there. Everybody went to Kaimanshat. It's the same place. <laughs> it's the same place. So it's, a farm, it's, it's a farm called Kaimanshat, which is um, in the Irland Club, just behind Villiersdorp on top of the mountain. Mm. It's an extraordinary place. Um, you're very right. It was um, um, Peter Finlayson, of Bushard Finlayson, who... I guess pioneer in that area, you know, yes. that's the Kaimanshat Chardonnay, the last yes. their Chardonnay he's been making mm. um, ever since. Um, and uh, Mr. Rupert bought a farm just um, opposite of the original Kaimanshat farm. Um, mm. So he's got his own vineyards there. Mm. But um, the, the, the original Kaimanshat farm does have predominantly Chardonnay with a, uh, with a bit of Pinot Noir. Yes. And um, you're right, quite a few people shop there. Um, mm. And it produces Samantha, extraordinary and wine, yeah. It's, it's just an unbelievable sight. So when we came up with the idea at Krona to make a, um, a Blanc de Blanc, we wanted to kind of emulate the, the grower champagne movement a little bit. Yes, so which is so brilliant. I'm so pleased you did years, that. You know? mm. Yeah, mm. kind of even more work going away from kind of what's lost it and more kind of what the uh, maricotors and the pure lots are doing nowadays. That's yes. un- unbelievable stuff. Yeah. Um, so the, when when I thought about what would be the perfect site to do a Blanc de Blanc in South Africa, that was um, it. Russ and I sat together and it was so obvious. It has to come from Carmen's house yeah. because you've got... Vineyards going at 700 meters altitude. It is one of the oldest Chardonnay vineyards we get the food from. Um, so if there's any place that really would speak the true um, terroir and and typicity, yes, yeah, it has to be. It has to be Kalmanshat. So oh. that's how that came about. Yeah, yes. And then I was quite interested to see also that with the ferment of it, um, you didn't you didn't inoculate. You used the yeasts that were sort of present on the grapes at the time. But there's something special that you did um, to facilitate no further addition of sulfur. Tell us about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we did a natural fermentation on the, on the base wine. Um, we worked with a cooper from the Alto Adish to get the wood where um, the, the, the primary fermentation happened. Oh, so you fermented in barrel. That's good. We yeah, we, we fermented in a food drain, a two and a half thousand liter food drain. Mm. Um, and then the wine spent six months on the on the grass leaves without any sulfur. And then for the secondary fermentation in the bottle, I've got um, a good friend with the name of Carsten Heinemeyer. He's probably the cleverest biochemist I know if it comes to wine. Yes. And uh, he's a German guy and uh, he has been um, developing yeast um, I guess also fermentation supplements yes. and stuff like that. Mm. But for the for the organic, um, you know, kind of yes. organic part of the wine industry. Um, and I've been working with Carsten mostly on yeast. So he isolated a yeast from um, the Rainica property from of our Cabernet vineyards, which he now sells commercially. Mm. Um, so I spoke to Carsten about this idea of making the Kalmanshat um the Kamanshat Blanc de Blanc. And what I wanted was a yeast 
that has the ability to ferment under these stressful conditions, as you would have in a um, bottle fermented sparkling wine. Yeah. But that the yeast at the same time has the ability to produce its own sulfur dioxide. Yes. Because I feel as soon as you uh, bubbles and MCC champagnes because of the because of the CO two behind it, and yes. the volatility behind it, everything gets emphasized. Yeah. So. Um, and sometimes you work. can smell that sulfur, can't you? I mean, exactly. you pop that cork you know, and you, you just get that. Yes, so I want to work with the sulfur. It also kind of mutes the fruit a little bit. It also makes the wine just a little bit hard on the palate. Um, yeah, and a bit so flat idea, sometimes. Mm. Correct. So the idea was to have um, the sulfur being produced naturally um, by the yeast because the Kaman's hut also doesn't go through the malolactic fermentation, the bacterial fermentation. Mm-hmm. So you just need that little bit of sulfur in order to make sure that the malolactic fermentation doesn't happen it's brilliant. in time in the bottle because... Obviously, um, MCC wines or bottle-fermented sparkling wines cannot be filtered. Um, so you just need that touch of sulfur. So the idea was that the yeast has the ability to metabolize um, kind of the amino acids that have yeah. sulfur binding in it into natural sulfur dioxide as the preservative. And we kind of find that that uh, metabolized sulfur is um, just a lot more integrated in the wine. Uh, oh, way, way, way. And adding it. It's hardly even noticeable. I mean, you just all it, do, all it does Correct. is its job, actually. It just exactly. does its job and it doesn't have any side effects. It's a brilliant yeah, sort of yeah, antibiotic. Yeah. yeah, it's great. <laughs> so I was really chuffed Look, when are, I saw we're, that. We're wine geeks, Kerry. We're I know, I know, I know. We lie awake <laughs> thinking about this. You need to come to Johannesburg so we can sit and talk this nonsense all day and all night. So, Rudiger, you're also very, very instrumental in everything that comes off of Johann Reinecke's beautiful farms and his amazing wines. I had one of your Cabernets the other day, or one of the red wines from, from Reinecke. I can't remember which. It was just extraordinary. So clean, so pretty, so light. One of the first farms in the country to be completely biodynamic whatever that means. But, I mean, you know, everybody likes to think that we're yeah. doing things purer, better, cleaner, safer, what have yeah. you. So Reinecke is one of your babies as well, hey? Yeah, look, my love affair with Reinecke goes back a long time. It already started in 2004 when I first met Johan. Mm. Johan is, um, you know, you meet some people in your life and you kind of become better people for knowing them. I know. Yeah, We're all better off for having Johan on the planet with us, actually. He's just an extraordinary <laughs> human being. Yeah. Yeah, so Johan very much played that role in my life. Um, So um, we, I started. I was still working at Book and House Club when I actually started moonlighting for Han over weekends okay. and after work. Um, and uh, I, I always very much liked this concept of biodynamics. I wanted to know more about it, and I wanted to understand it better. You know, you mm. have a look at some of the greatest wines in the world, and they're all biodynamic. Them, mm. They're all biodynamic. You yeah. know, um, yeah. and. So when I started moonlighting uh, for Johan in 2004, I was just blown away by, um, first of all, by Johan, by um, by this concept of biodynamics, the different thinking behind it, mm. um, and then also by the site. You know, it's 
the polka dye hills for me is probably the most exciting table in Stellenbosch. Do you think so? Um, and it's oh for God, me, it's out of doubt. for me, it's the ugliest of all of Stellenbosch. I don't know. I shouldn't be telling you that, but I mean, there's power lines and fraught little dams here and there, and it looks messy and untidy. It's got none of the <laughs> gorgeous big oak trees and pristine farms and things. It's a bit sort of sloppy and messy, don't you think? <laughs> Maybe because all the all the um, I shouldn't be saying this. All the strawberry guys at the bottom of it. The <laughs> well, I'm glad you said it because I didn't want to say it. <laughs> no, but from 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 a soul point of view, the Polka uh, Dry Hills yeah. is, is is really unique. You know, it's it's an unbelievable granitic outcrop. Yeah. Um, where it's not just granite or granite, you know, being so decomposed that it really is just quartz pebbles. Yes. You know, there's still really some formation in place. And um, I think it's kind of led to kind of this resurgence of called new wave Syrah in out of the Stellenbosch region. You know, we started that with Reinecke yes. in 2010 already, and then uh, now all of these great Stellenbosch Syrahs. You know, think about Lucas uh, um, with with a graft or yes, a Riemann, um, with some There are a lot of them land. coming out. But I mean, long, long, long ago, old um, Nico was doing his best with Shiraz from Saxonburg, from even Saxonburg, long absolutely. ago. Mm. Yeah, mm. and he still does with uh, Nico from the Mayor. That's you know? it. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, I, it was just it was just a perfect site for me. You know, always. These granitic souls, I, I thought, were, were beautiful. I love wines that come from granitic souls. I love Me the too. kind of granny tenons and the angular. And, uh, um, you, you know, they're quite angular with a nice they're very angular. the wines. They're very angular, they but they're also this, very clean. I love the and this beautiful cleanliness. perfume and the mm. purity in it. Mm. You know? mm. So, yeah, so that's, that's how my love affair started with Radica. And it was always the idea that we make um, a wine or all the wines come exclusively from the Rainica property. So it's not about picking grapes all across South Africa and making yeah. a pretty assemblage in a blend. It was very much about this is a special site. Johan farms it in a special way to mm. kind of bring out, um, you know, the honesty of that site. Yes. And we should concentrate about getting that side to speak in the bottle. And it does. Um, mm. And that's what we've been doing for the last 16 years. You know, So I've been very, very happy, fortunate and privileged to, to have been a part of, of that. It's well, been, I'm going to make everybody, I'm going to make um, Linda, my little producer, I'm going to make him put a little footnote that this weekend our wine of choice, our drinking wine of choice is anything from Reineke. If anybody's got that in their cellar, or dare I say, if you can, beg, borrow, steal, bootleg, do whatever you have to do. But try and find yourself a bottle of, of Rainica wine. All of them are gorgeous. Yeah, and then, I don't think you'll be disappointed. No, never be disappointed. Rudiger, then on to your new baby, which is really what prompted me to phone you. And it's been so so much fun catching up with all your other things. But Sangiro, just such an extraordinarily special label, bottle, wine tell us about it it's so different i just loved it <laughs> so the i guess um carrie but my love has always been wine and making wine you know i don't think that'll ever change but my career obviously has taken a couple of um uh, deviations and sides you know side tours along the way well can i but say before you even go on that i was quite I was quite surprised when this bottle landed on my desk to link up Rudiger and Pinotage. 
I thought Yeah. I never thought I'd see the day where you would where you would make one of your big babies a pinotage. Well, I think that's why why the process took so long too, you know. So it it probably started all the way back in two thousand and two with Chocolate Block when um Mark and I traveled to the Pekingese Club to find Grenache for Chocolate Block because you must yes. forget in those days that was the only place where one could find old vine Quite Grenache. Right. It wasn't really it wasn't really grown anywhere outside of the Pekingese Club. Right. Um and Already then, I just fell in, in love with the place. It's it's extraordinary, you know. You have um, you've got unbelievable um, uh, altitude. Yes. Um, you are fairly close to the west coast. Um, it really is an unbelievable site with all the rooibos and the citrus in between. Mm. Um, so I've been scouting the Pekingese Club forever, and I then stumbled across. Um, Kind of, you need to go over two farms in order to get to this farm. <laughs> um, mm. Onto Dr. Jürgen Tarnikom, who's got a farm up there called Swatberg, yes. um, which his grandparents used to own. Um, then it kind of came out of the family. Dr. Jürgens used to be a um, uh, psychology professor in uh, Stellenbosch, and then he got sick when he was 50 years old. He got black, uh, blood cancer and he stopped working and he found this farm again, which he then oh. bought. And since then, Dr. Jürgens has been farming this land. Um, so he obviously recovered. He's recovered, yeah. He's, he's turning 81 in, in, oh, in October. Oh, how wonderful. And wonderful. So his wife, his wife lives in Somerset West. He then commutes between the farm and Somerset West on a weekly basis. So he spends the weekends in Somerset West in Luxury. Mm-hmm. And then he drives to this farm um, on a Monday um, to return back on a Thursday. Oh, and how special. this farm is, 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 is unlike anything you, 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 you've ever experienced. You know, I'm surprised really? these places actually still exist. You know? So mm. it's, it's got a tiny little cottage where he lives in. Um, there's no electricity. There's no comfort. There wow. is uh, no cell phone reception or any of that. So he really lives there like a little guess, hermit. Like a hermit. Yes. Like a little hermit. It's probably know? why he then got he, better. Yeah, I think so too. Mm. And then he's got old um, Fritti and Gert there <laughs> who are just as old. <laughs> are there still people called Fritti and Gert, for goodness sake? Fritti and Gert. Gert, um, he's already just got one foot left because the other one, um, he... He um, lost by gangrene, but he's in pension, but he still comes out and out oh. from time to time. And um, it's unbelievable. So they they have this massive farm. It's a thousand hectares in size. Um, there's no furrow through. So you can't, you have to drive over two farms to essentially get to this farm. Amazing. And um, then, the, then the doctor has got, you know, 3.4 hectares of vineyards. He's got a little dam and, and a fountain that runs into the dam. Everything is free flow because he can't pump anything. Yeah. He's got a bit of citrus orchards. He's got a little bit of rooibos. And these three uh. old men, they live up there. They work this land. Um, it's free of any kind of um, sort of agriculture, if you like. So I'm sure and, no virus um, or anything like that up there. Hey, just pure and clean. Of- None of that, you know. There's mm. not even um, weeds like we understand them nowadays yeah. in, in vineyards because nothing has ever been brought onto the farm. Yeah, so isolated. wonderful. Um, so this was the place, you know. I knew it from the, the first time I saw it. 
and I got to meet Dr. Jürgen Tarnikom. I thought, oh, you know, somebody needs to tell the story. Yes. Of this kind of 3.4 hectares. Of, so is that of him? Vineyard. Is that him on the photograph on the label? That's him. That's him on the label. Yeah, that's him and me on the label. Oh, it's just special. So it's a picture that my son took with my old black and white Minolta camera <laughs> with Brilliant. me and and the doctor sitting in front of the house on a hot um, on a hot Tuesday um, midday. Yes. And Finn took this shot. Um, it's and brilliant. It came, out so, it came out so nice yeah. that we decided this should be the label. So what we actually did is, it's a photogravure technique, um, Carrie. So what happens is um, I found Zane Warren in Cape Town from Warren Edition. She takes this picture and then with chemicals, she burns the picture as a negative onto a copper plate. Mm-hmm. And then each label is a is essentially a hand a, print. A print, yeah. And I yeah. see that you've numbered them as well. So I would assume, I would assume that those sort of little numbered prints are all quite in due course, will be quite valuable. So if That's anybody exactly does buy a bottle, you definitely need to keep it after you've drunk it and That's keep it idea. for posterity. Absolutely. Yeah. So now to so the wine. Why didn't you different. put Grenache in your bottle or Shiraz or something? Why did you end up with Pinotage? So it took me so long because the vineyard that was there was a Pinotage vineyard. Um, so there's a bit of um, a bit of white grapes that grow there. It's kind of a field blend of Sauvignon and Palomino and Chenin Blanc. Oh, and that sounds delicious. The bulk of it is is pinotage, or the only red variety growing there is pinotage. So I first tried to kind of convince um, Dr. Jürgens that we should um, plant some Grenache. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he said no. <laughs> and he obviously said no more than one time. Mm. And then I came to the point where I thought, you know, it's the pinotage is probably there for a reason, you know. Of and I should, I should, I should just get over myself and. Yeah. You know, I still have this ring in the back of my head that Andre von Rensburg used to say 20 years ago, you know, kind of, you don't steal, you don't rape, and you don't make pinotage, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, when I started working with the grapes, I, you know, you, you change your opinions quite quickly yes. about something. And, and I suppose been, they're beautiful. It's been amazing. I suppose they're beautiful old bush vines, are they? Correct. The old bush vines, Kerry, it's, it's unlike we understand vineyards the way um, the, the the doctor farms. You know, it's not mm. neat rows. Um, no, it's probably very European through. because it's I love correct. those European type vineyards where you're not even sure that everything in the vineyard is actually the same cultivar. Exactly, it's a little bit like that, and then there's yeah. a white grape that grows Shoved in, in between, between, and then there's yeah. a molehill <laughs> in between there, and then you know all of a sudden five. It. Five little vines are trellised and then yes. bush vines again. You know, it's, it's, it's chaos. Yeah. But the chaos kind of comes to order. But it's not the type of vineyard like we understand yeah. in the rest of the winelands where it's neat rows and you can Perfect. drive through with a tractor. Yeah. It's, it's, it's nothing like that at all. How you know? charming, that's, though. That, that's the beauty in it, you know. Yeah, yeah. So you picked it, you vinified it, and now I'm going to tell everybody what it smelt and, and tasted like because I, I have said many a time that I have had to publicly apologize to Pinotage many a time because when I came back from living overseas, I was extraordinarily rude about Pinotage. It was in the early 90s and there was a lot of this horrible, banana-y, acetonish, um, yeah. ghastly Pinotage about and I just couldn't imagine that anybody 
could ever do anything with this grape that was going to be nice. <laughs> and of course, <laughs> I've had to say sorry to, to Pinotage and everybody else who loved it and, and told me that I was wrong, and I was indeed wrong. Yep. And there are now some like very, that. very smart Pinotages about. So the one thing about Pinotage that I love is, A, I do think, and when I'm old and I'm already old and gray, but when I'm older and more gray, I'm going to do some some serious studies on the DNA of Pinotage because over the years that I've been exposed to the wine industry, I have noticed always that there's something about Pinotage. It has serious longevity. It ages yeah. beautifully, and I don't know why. There's got to be something in its makeup that does that. Yeah. That's the first thing. The second thing is is that if you do leave it to hang a little bit and and bask in the sun, you end up with this beautiful, but not too much, you end up with this beautiful, sweet, ripe red berry fruit that you simply cannot resist. Yep. I don't know how you did it. I don't know how you vinified it. I don't know if you cold ferment. I don't know what you do. But no longer are we subjected. I mean, some people do, but... On on the whole, no longer is the public subjected to this green acetic. Um, green that green banana is a, oui, yeah, is no. a real acetate. It was a word. Absolutely right. So I what did you do? You know, I I still I still have in my cellar some of these nineteen seventeen Merendale pinotages, yeah. which are beautiful to drink. Yeah. I remember are. having a Canon Cop ninety eighty nine and nineteen ninety pinotage, and they tasted. Greater than, you know, first growth Bordeaux. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) We don't know. We're going to have to have a Pinotage revolution, I think, at some stage. Yeah, I think it's coming, if I'm honest. Mm. Um, So the idea here was um, the site really is extraordinary. You know, the grapes grow at over 600 meter altitudes. There's, you know, proper age on the vine. So you kind of have that complexity in the grapes naturally. Um, It's on the kind of west coast or the coast facing side so you can kind of get these um, these cooling breezes coming mm. over um, the way kind of the sun moves over the mountain gives it a lot of sunlight exposure um, so the uh, and 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 the vineyards grow kind of dryland conditions very yes. much like a sinzo yes um, so the idea was let it grow like a sinzo but let's treat it in the cellar very much like you would do um, the other the other parent of Pinotage, namely Pinot Noir. Pinot Noir. So that was the mm. idea. Mm. So the, the grapes were harvested um, not too ripe because I wanted the freshness and acidity. Yes. Um, and then we opted to kind of de-stem all of it. Good. Um, the fermentation happened natural in concrete tank. We did the fermentation at Rainica Wine. Mm. Um, the the, the fermentation is spontaneous. Um, as soon as it was fermented dry, we pressed it off. The extraction process, we we made sure that uh, that w- we handled it with a very soft hand. Mm. Pinotage already had so much color and flavor, yes. and especially tannins. You know, so the yeah. idea was um, kind of a less is more approach. Mm. And then the wine spent eleven months in a second full oak, uh, oak barrel um, before we bottled it to leave it another year and a half in bottle to um, to reveal it. So the oh. idea was very much: it needs the harshness to grow like a cinzo, but it needs a. Um, and then you wrap it in a mink stole after that. Correct, and yeah. then it's kind yeah. of soft hand mm. as you would probably um, handle a pinot noir if if it arrives at the yes. cellar. And uh, it's 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 been great. So the idea was to 
move more into this kind of new world, new wave space in terms of pilotage, because I feel that that is something that is still lacking in in yeah. um, in kind of that uh, this really revolutionary and um, very exciting you know time we find ourselves in the South African wine industry. Mm. And I thought this would be a nice story to kind of add add to all of this. Do you know at the end of the day, the wine could taste like absolute drain key cleaner. But when there's a beautiful story behind it, people love stories. People love being entertained to the actual history behind the wine. And that's what I always associate you with. Everything that you've ever done has got a gorgeous story behind it. And I could sit here and talk to you for another two hours. I feel so (laughs) uplifted and happy. This morning I got to my shop and I thought, how many more weeks, days, months of this BS can we put up with where we can't ply our trade, we can't enjoy our gorgeous industry, yeah. we can't do, and after 45 minutes of speaking to you, I'm feeling in a happy space. So, <laughs> Rudiger, you are a legend. I just love what you've done. Is it is it readily available when, I mean, when we as and when we're allowed to sell booze again? Is it so readily available? We it, it it will be hopefully so. Um, it's probably going to be. It's, there's not a lot of it. If you read yes. the numbers on yes. those bottles, up, it says one thousand seven hundred and ninety. That's always what kind of the total production is going to be on this. We're going to keep it very much to to this vignette, and um, so it's more um, a thing of love than anything else. Mm. Um, so yes, you'll you'll be able to pick it up at, uh, at Norman Goodfellas. Fantastic. Well, we'll pop it onto our little thing at the end of our podcast it's Sangiro and it's Rudika's wine and it's absolutely delicious when you can get your hands on it um, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you Rudika you're just such a legend thank you very much <laughs> thanks Kay. I really really appreciate it lovely to chat cheers all the best thank you bye, bye. you with us you win case closed touch HD